I'm Rick Cushman, and this episode of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul is sponsored by the 2020 Vancouver International Wine Festival. The festival invites you to come visit one of the world's most beautiful cities and have a great time at what we know is one of the world's best wine festivals. Yeah, in fact, right on both counts, Rick, it is the largest wine festival in North America and absolutely one of my favorite places to go. From February 22nd to March 1st, 57 events, tastings, lunches, dinner, tutored seminars. Yeah, yeah. Well, caution on those seminars. Paul's going to be leading a couple of them. I will tutor you, my friend. Uh, You have in the past, and it's gotten you nowhere. (laughs) But there is some good news, Rick. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately for me. Fortunately for the festival, however, because I can't make it this year. You're going to be missing out on a lot of great stuff, and the featured region is France. All the French, I'm sure, are heartbroken that you won't be there. I've been been getting uh, missives in in French. Luckily, I can't understand them, but I think they they seem to say, thank God. I think uh, they're saying, please stay <laughs> home. Yes, yes. Um, uh, so uh, for lucky people going, uh, there's just one of us to try to avoid. And, and it's not it's not easy, though. Paul's loud. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you do avoid him, even with him, you can still taste and learn about some of the world's best regions, or certainly most iconic, including yep. Burgundy, Bordeaux, Champagne, Provence. Provence, of course, mm-hmm. famous makers of rosé. And one of the big uh, focuses, foci, of the festival this year is rosé. Fogsai? Fosai. That is it. Okay. Uh, that's that's what you have to put up with if you go to one of Paul's seminars. But it's not just the rosé. It's not just the wine. It's uh, Vancouver is also a world-class food town. It makes it a great place to visit. Paul and I have had many a fine meal there together, despite having to share each other's company. Lovely people. They even were nice to Rick. And, and you should have seen some of the things he did in those restaurants. Yeah, and, and you know, they, only a couple of them made me wear a bib. Yes. It was, it was and that nice. was only after you spilled. Yeah. So. yeah it, was, it was good. Um, in festival, people pretty nice too, Paul. Yes. And they make it easy for you to eat, to drink, to get the tickets, to book uh, hotels. And by the way, um, can we suggest uh, at Stay Vancouver Hotels, which is the place to book, um, you can book a downtown hotel. You have 39 to choose from. Yes. You uh, don't. Well. You're down to about seven now, aren't no, you? No, I've, I've, I think there's one. <laughs> one. And it's a charitable thing. They're very nice. And they don't speak the, English. The others have, they just, they, they, don't, they don't think it's good for business. <laughs> but, but I won't be there. So your options out, out are there unlimited. in podcast world are totally great. Uh, but if you do book through them, you get a free ticket uh, worth up to $115 for one of the giant international festival tastings. And yep. those things are awesome. So book 163 now. wineries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they're from uh, 15 countries, Paul? Yes. Uh, f- uh, 42 of them are from uh, Vive la France. 42 winers from France, also including New Zealand, Spain, Italy, Argentina. Yeah, yeah. Washington State will be there, Paul. Um, it's That's not a country, Rick. Yeah, that's yeah. a state. Yeah, yeah, but it's but close. Just Google Stay Vancouver and have fun. Yep, yep. See you up there. Yeah, yep. And uh, one other thing we should uh, say is that is uh, you can sign up for the first ever, ever, first ever, first ever post festival. Bordeaux Wine River Cruise uh, with Paul. Yes, He's April 9th through 16th, 2020. We are cruising the Gironde, the yes. wonderful estuary of Bordeaux, from up one bank and down the other and tasting all the great so wines. Left of bank, right bank. Stand up, sit down, yeah, fight, yeah, fight, fight, fight. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be, yeah. It'll be wonderful, great. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. I won't be there. 
That's one that makes it so nice. Yeah, that's another another one where some of us have to work, Paul. But uh, don't <laughs> worry, don't worry. All right. So for the festival, all public tickets go on sale January eighth. You should know that. Uh, trade passes they're available now. Just go to online for details. Go to the yep. Vancouver International Wine Festival site, which is vanwinefest.ca because they're in Canada. Uh, the festival is February twenty second to March one. Yep. Uh, and you can sign up for the cruise there, too. And if you can't find uh, the website for some weird reason, just Google Vancouver and Wine Festival. And, and it'll pop up. Pop right it'll up. pop right up. Yep. Good. Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. So, Paul, I have some great news for you. Consider it a holiday gift. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh, this isn't good. So remember how we had a study a while back that said drinking wine had some, actually had some health benefits for older folks? Yeah. You were thrilled, if I remember. Oh, was I ever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I got a new study, Paul. Oh, good. It found that people who drink <laughs> in moderation suffer from the same or lower rates of cognitive decline and dementia than even non-wine drinkers. I'm sorry. So uh, don't worry, by the way. If you forget it, I'll remind you. Of what? Yeah. See? See? Also today, we have a bunch of seasonal questions from listeners, so we're going to devote a bit more time to, to those questions. Uh, Excellent. Good, good time of the year for questions. And they include tips about airplane travel with wine. And actually, we have some good information. I know you don't believe it because we rarely do, but in this case, we do. <laughs> we might. We also have questions about what wines go well in holiday punches, what whites are best in winter. And in this gift-giving season, we have a few questions about presents for wine drinkers. I always think wine is a nice gift. Yeah, yeah, those questions are not so simple, though, my forgetful friend. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> One of those questions came from a jolly bearded man way up north. Ah, uh, yes, our friend. Yes, um, plus our horrible wine writing comes from the Department of Redundancy Department and its Division of Contradiction. <laughs> and as usual, we'll be making fun of wine songs. Yes, we and will. And by the way, a couple of reminders. We are still on our friends, Capital Public Radio, Paul. The recommended podcast list, including famous names yeah. and us. Yes, and us. Yes, and we're also on Napa Broadcasting, the network that comes from the uh, august and well-respected Napa Valley College. The number one community college in California. And yet, and yet, we're on their air and you teach there. And I there. teach there. So you, they figure. must be good if they can put up with both of those That's things. That's right. All right. Yeah. And so, and we are now available just about everywhere, including Stitcher and Spotify, as well as Apple Podcasts. Our and media empire. Grows every day. And go to Facebook, Instagram, or Twiddle, Twitter, Twiddle. <laughs> go to Twiddle. That's our new one. Our handle is at Rick and Paul Wine. And that would you be can, good. You can go there anytime, ask us a question, or remind Paul that wine is good for his memory. About what? <laughs> That's exactly right. Huh? And don't miss the chance to join Paul and some lovely Canadians at Vancouver International Wine Festival, February 22nd to March 1. Yes. Information is online at vanwinefest.ca because they're Canadian, or just Google Vancouver and Wine Festival. So, Paul, hang with me here. Okay. Don't, don't I'm, try I'm, not to get lost. Okay. You'll I'm forget gonna, what we're talking I'll try, about. What? Yep. See? Okay, see, good. I knew this was going to happen. So, a new study out of Harvard's T.H. Chan School of Public Health. And by the way, those people, they're- Harvard, huh? They're real. Yeah. You know, they, they Harvard. matter. Okay. Right. Uh, they found that people who drink in moderation suffer from lower rates of cognitive decline leading to dementia than heavy drinkers and possibly non-drinkers. Okay, but we need to call time out here because we need our usual disclaimer. We probably need it heavily, despite the fact we quoted Harvard. The it's it's the it's the disclaimer that says number one, we're not doctors, we don't play one on radio, and we have no idea what we're talking yes. about when it comes to medicine. Yeah, we're we're not we're we're not health professionals. I, 
Paul, Paul, Paul is barely even We're healthy. barely healthy. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. And, I, and, and I, I got my issues, yeah, and Paul. And Rick <laughs> clearly has his issues. Yeah. But the point is, we are reporting a study. I'm not even doing that. Rick's doing that. Yeah. I got nothing to do with this. Yes. Well, uh, we are not offering advice. No, but it is a good study. On this. It's a good study, though. Yes. Uh, it was published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. That's, AKA JAMA. Uh, AKA the Grown Ups. Yes. <laughs> uh, they looked at 3,021 American ages 72 or older, and they, they followed them over eight years, and they found two important things. One of them was they couldn't find their car keys. <laughs> no, I am joking. One, oh, it was. It was Clear. I'm sorry. I'm probably going to get sued for that. <laughs> one, one was clear that heavy alcohol consumption over a lifetime is bad for cognitive ability. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but we two, knew that. daily low quantity drinking was associated with lower dementia risk and no worries. And maybe uh, it was no worse and maybe even better than non drinkers. Fair enough. Okay. So yeah. a cup a day and keeps the doctor away, yeah. as it were. Well, they didn't define moderation, but generally they did sort of go with a generally used definition, which is a glass or so a night that for a woman and pretty about much leaves Jewish you, a night. Pretty much leaves you out of the equation, it's, doesn't uh, it? Yeah. No, I, I thought they were talking about um, magnums. Bottles. Two a night. Is that, so I'm, I'm probably not well, in the When they're in saying the one or two, you thought they were bottles. Yes. <laughs> it could be why I keep forgetting not to stop drinking. All right. Um, uh, in any case, the the, the one point they uh, they they did want to say, however, was they made the point, and they were very emphatic about this: is that their study should not be read as advice to drink more or to start. <laughs> okay. Right. Well, we won't. Yes. Well. All right. Yeah. Well, all silliness aside. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that acts. That says it all. Oh, good. Wait, yeah. I just want to point out that you know. <laughs> Uh, clearly, Paul's uh, dementia is starting to take hold. <laughs> I just want to point out that, you know, we give you a lot of studies, and we do this mostly for our own amusement. Actually, ma- mainly for Rick's amusement. <laughs> yes. Well, that's true. Yeah. Um, so take all of that with a, a, a bit of a grain of salt. And the truth of it is the problem is they're always narrow-scoped, and they're, you know, there's either depending on who did the study or what the focus was. It, all of these things add up, although there is sort of this general trend that um, – Moderate drinking, red wine, antioxidants. The latest yes. medical advice yep. is exactly what was written two thousand years ago in Rome, which is moderation in all things. I thought it was not get hit, don't get hit by an ox cart. Well, <laughs> that too. Yes, that too. <laughs> it's always good advice. All right. Well, speaking of good advice, I thought uh, you were speaking uh, of ox carts. I there, think, I think it's, <laughs> yes. It's, I've got mine parked out in the parking lot. <laughs> you know, Capital Public Radio. You need a parking permit, so I uh, <laughs> I went and got one for my ox. Yep. He's he's doing just fine. <laughs> All right. So, uh, <laughs> what do your oxes? <laughs> <laughs> is your ox named Oxidation? <laughs> no. No. Okay. No. So so much for all silliness aside. Well, we're going to try to not be silly because we're going to take some questions. Good. Um, and remember, you can ask us a question and you'll probably get giggled at. But it's on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter are the places at Rick and Paul Wine. And we are on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and, and Spotify. Spotify. Right, right. So this one's from Stephanie Hillsburg. And this is, this, we, I actually did, I, 
I checked on the uh, the uh, the uh, T. I was going to say PSA site, the TSA site. Yes. Uh, so we actually have some real answers. So she says, "I'm visiting my relatives in Minnesota for the holidays." She's in Healdsburg. Remember, that's wine country. And it's not only wine country, but this was. I'm glad to hear that Stephanie's fine because this yes. was an area that was impacted by those yes, fires. Yes, I'm fall. sure Stephanie was uh, was did have to evacuate, but yeah. uh, but luckily no damage in Healdsburg. So she says, "I'm visiting my relatives in Minnesota for the holidays and, and want to bring some good wine." It's Minnesota in December, so I'm pretty sure they can use it. (laughs) (laughs) Good. This is why she's in Hillsburg. (laughs) Is it okay to pack wine when I fly? Will it be okay in luggage? And are there any restrictions? So there are, and there's some advice. Um, Yes. So, and the... Things to know, really, is the temperatures get pretty cold in the, cold in the cargo hold. Yeah, not, they not do. Not freezing. But, but once your wine is inside a suitcase and insulated and all the rest, yes. I don't think that's a big issue. What that's, but the key there is the insulation. It's not a bad idea. But the thing that you actually need to insulate against is not necessarily the temperature. No. But your luggage is going to get banged around a little bit. Yes. So I recommend a hard-sided suitcase rather than a soft-sided suitcase. And I recommend, if you can, putting each of the wrap each of the bottles in a bubble wrap. But yep. if you don't have bubble wrap, Rick, a couple of socks works pretty well. Yeah, and a suggestion always, too, is it's just a plastic bag around every bottle, just in case one of them breaks, the rest of your clothes aren't red-soaked well, they socks. Do, yeah, the rest of your clothes don't look like Rick's clothes yes. during the holidays. Yes, well, that's pretty much every day. That's yeah, <laughs> why I wear dark colors, Paul. Um, and uh, you can also ship them. You know, you can either buy shippers and get shippers. You know, yes. the, the things that stick them in yes. the styrofoam shippers is really You can great. also you, you can check just ship. yes. a shipper. Yes. You can actually right. take a shipper on an airplane and check right. it. Right, absolutely. Um, and in, in terms of uh, restrictions, um, so the here's some of the things. You know, the TSA does prevent alcohol in check bags. Yes. Wine is pretty much unlimited. It's actually, the, you know, there are, but there are certain limits on other kinds of things to pack. Like yes. Spirits. If it's too high in alcohol, it's actually flammable, yeah. and they don't want that on the airplane. So with spirits that are 24 to 24%, which is 48 proof, um, to 70%, which is basically most spirits, um, you have a limit of up to five liters, but it has to be an unopened. unopened five liters. Yeah. That's a lot of liquor. That's Tuesday. <laughs> um, but over 70% alcohol is a fire hazard and not allowed. And yeah. by the way, U.S. Customs is the same. Any unlimited, I mean, any amount you can bring in, you know, any amount under 24% alcohol. So, you know, if you go to Italy or someplace and come back with wine. Yes. Or the Vancouver International Wine Festival, for example. Yes, for example. Um, but you only get one liter of wine, which is a bottle and a quarter. Um, right. For duty-free. Duty-free. But the duty on wine, I believe, is only 17%. And I can tell you that I have brought a few bottles of wine back <clears throat> and had a customs yeah. agent look at me and say, there is no way that the money I would charge you on that wine is worth my t- trouble to fill out the forms on it. Just get out of here. Yeah, and it, right. It isn't much, and it's not going to raise the price. And if you bought wine you know, somewhere out of the country, you like that wine, and what's another couple of dollars? Right. That's what I see. But, yep. but really get down to it is is insulate it against shock, against getting Against broken. getting banged. And yep. particularly if you're putting wine in more than one bottle in your suitcase, make sure there's a few layers of clothing between the two bottles because the biggest danger is them cracking against each yeah, other and yeah. breaking. And you, you see what happens to suitcases rolling down that little... Uh, it, oh, it, Lord. Yeah, I, I've been on that... Uh, 
that that little treadmill thing there, and um, it, it hurts. <laughs> it does. When you pop out of there, you know, it just hurts. Come flying out. That's right. <laughs> Ouch. It takes so, you days oh, to recover. All right, and then then I, I just need to say this because uh, after I saw this, you know, I went online to look at the TCA uh, TSA flight, and um, you know, you Google the story came up, and right. this is the stuff that drives me nuts. There was a magazine story that said, "Fly like a pro: Seven things you're doing wrong when you fly with wine." <laughs> right. I mean, seriously. Does, does, does it it's, tell you you have to keep your shoes on? It, it, you no, know, you're supposed to hit the bottle with your shoes. <laughs> with your no, shoe to get the cork thing. out. Right. Okay, All good. Right. So this next one is from regular listener Jill in Fresno. Fresno. And yeah, this is one of our... Uh, yes. Our, this is a... This is uh, our Fresno contingent. Yeah, part of our Fresno contingent. And she says, I have a good friend in the restaurant business who loves wine but has access to all kinds of great wine. Any suggestions for a gift for her? The implication is that probably not wine. Yeah, I have to say probably not wine simply because she can get any wine and less expensively and more to her taste than anything you could give her. Right. Now, I I do have a couple of minor suggestions. Um, The latest version of Hugh Johnson and Jancis Robinson's World Atlas of Wine. It's a big old chunk of a book, but in fact... For somebody who really loves wine. If they're really into wine, this has all the maps, all the descriptions, everything you need to know pretty much about every wine everywhere in the world. This is definitely for a wine geek. It's, you know, even for somebody who likes wine but doesn't love, love, love wine, it's going to be overwhelming. But it is a cool book. And if you like looking... And for somebody in the restaurant business who would be looking up a thing... Exactly. um, there's just there is a ton of interesting yeah. and good and, information. And even if you know somebody who's who's kind of half serious about wine, this book every time you open a bottle, you can look at the label on that bottle and you can track down where exactly that is in the in the atlas. It's fun. Yeah, and at it's a slightly fun. lesser level, I'm going to recommend uh, a book from my friend and your friend Karen McNeil, the uh-huh. the wine bible now in its second yeah. edition, yeah. and it, it's it's written more for regular folk. Although there's there's always information that's useful, um, but mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. tells lots of stories about. About that, you know, connections to things, and that's that's also a fun reference. Yep. It's a fun reference book yep. um, that somebody like that could use. Yep. It is kind of tough. You might you might go another whole direction entirely. And, yeah, you know, get her cookies. Yeah. Cookies uh, are good. Sunscreen or a puppy. <laughs> I think get her a puppy. Sorry, Joe. We're not, we're not a big help. Yeah. All right. This one's this one comes from a gentleman named Santa at the North Pole. Wait. He says, <laughs> yes, no. normally those, the, yeah. He says, What's I the get, return address? He said, at North Pole? It was, North it was, Pole. A, it was a letter. It looked, had a child's <laughs> handwriting. He says, I get pretty busy this time of year. No, this was actually from a, 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 a friend of mine named Mark. Yeah, because we did not get a question from Santa Claus. Oh, well, he, he would know better than to ask us. <laughs> uh, yeah. But okay. he says, what? So my friend Mark, uh, mis, mis, masquerading as Santa, says, what wines do you suggest make the best gifts? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And see, it's totally something Santa would have asked. He's a considerate gift giver. Yes. 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 All right. So I have some ideas, and I think yours are slightly different from mine. But, okay. Uh, but uh, what, we, what mine, my, I, have, I have sort of two directions. Okay. I think okay, because good. I love sparkling wine. Yes, you do. I think a nice sparkling wine is always a nice gift. It's a pretty bottle. Never have bottle, too much sparkling wine. Never have too much sparkling That's right. wine. It looks. Yep. It just looks good. Yep. And then my other direction is, I say, get a good something like a Napa Valley Cabernet. And even though it's not the most unusual wine, it says I'm trying. Uh huh. You know, this is yeah. an August region and an August grape. Yeah. And or I even th- September. 
Or September's probably better because they're not ripe really in August. <laughs> but uh, so get That's a September excellent. region. <laughs> um, but I think yeah. I think those kinds of wines where that just really not so much as you're trying to be unique. It's just that you're saying, look, I I'm, I think you know it's, it's like getting somebody a steak. So I have a couple of other suggestions that are a little more personalized. Oh uh, sure, show me up. I will. So if you know that your friend and his girlfriend got engaged in a certain year, a wine from that year, or married mm-hmm. a certain year, mm-hmm. a wine from mm-hmm. that year, or the, the um, wines with a, some sort of sentimental value that way, or even if you know they went on their honeymoon to Italy, and you could just enclose a little note that says, I hope that, I'm, you know, you may have tasted this when you were on your honeymoon. Here's hoping this brings back some fond memories. So give them that little personal yeah, touch. That, that's, that's always really nice. It's I, I like a, yeah. You know, it, I was, as you were saying that, I was thinking, you know, there's probably a reason why nobody ever gives us wine from our, our birth dates because we were born before wine. <laughs> before, that's right. And, and one last thought was that when my wife and I got married back in the Stone Age, um, one of the wedding gifts we received from one of her parents' friends who was interested in wine was a, a mixed case mm, yeah. of 12 different yeah. bottles of interesting things for us to drink over the next few years. That's actually a really great idea. And we loved that yeah, gift. Yeah, and we yeah. worked our way through those bottles with great joy. Yeah, and you know, if you had somebody you wanted to give a slightly expensive gift to, and you, I mean, you can get a nice mixed case. It's not going to cost you a ton of money. You yep. know, go to a wine shop or, yep. or to anybody who you trust and say, yep. oh, I just want some interesting wines and give me a range. And there's going to be stuff in there they like. And there might be a couple things they don't. But and that's, that's okay. That's fun. It's yeah. all part of the fun. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we have a lot more questions to come, but uh, we'll get to those in a bit because up next, we know what we've got, Paul. Horrible, horrible wine writing. Yes, we do. You know, it really is kind of a sad thing that we use such good music or happy music. <laughs> That's but, bad yes. writing. Okay, so well, Paul. Okay, so check this out, Rick, because this is the same wine. Two different magazines describing exactly the same Chateauneuf du Pape, right? Yes. Magazine one Sa- says... Southern France, by the way. A focused, restrained style with a long thread of shiso leaf and incense running through the core of kirsch and raspberry coulis flavors. A pretty mineral edge guides the finish. Okay, first of all, we just before we compare that to the other one, we yeah. need to make fun of this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a long is... thread of shiso leaf and incense. Yeah, through a core of uh, raspberry coulis flavors. And then there's the, and then your the pretty mineral edge. mineral edge. I think it's I think it's a so it might be a polished. So the minerals are polished. It might be like an iron, be. a polished iron or something like yeah. Well, remember ferris. those terms yes. because let's see how often they All come right. up in the next one. They're in my memory. Vanilla and cinnamon from barrel aging play a role here in this lush, abundant wine. But there's also plenty of juicy, plum-tinged fruit. There's ample body and texture capped off by supple tannins and a lingering finish. Okay, these, it's like one's white and one's red. Yeah, so one says focused, restrained style, and this the other <laughs> one says lush, lush and, and abundant. abundant. Yeah. And yeah. it's supposed to be the same wine, Rick. Yep. And there's uh, there's no, nothing even close in terms of like the fruit descriptors. Kirsch and raspberry, which are generally red fruit flavors, versus plum, which is generally black fruit flavors. Indeed. So they don't even agree on the color yes. of the fruit. And it doesn't have a pretty mineral fi- edge to it either. No, but it has a lingering finish. Uh, yeah. Linger, linger, linger. Yeah, so this is, that's lesson, abject lesson number Three thousand about why you can't really use these descriptors to help you for choose anything wines. at all. For anything uh, well, at you all, you know you can use them for 
a making podcast. fun of it. Yep. yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. This one comes from a major magazine promoting its own story. Okay, good. So this is really an example of just horrific writing. So be- <laughs> besides being horrible, I mean, it's just grammatically wrong and the tone is so off-putting. All right. While white wine varietals typically tend to be imbibed immediately. All right. Really? Because you can't just when was drink the, it. Uh, right. Rick, when was the last time you imbibed something? couple hours before we did this. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say you're imbibed? Wild wine varietals typically tend to be imbibed immediately yeah. and are often not slated for long-term cellaring. Some are indeed unquestionably suited for aging in order to propagate the intensification and evolution of their notes and flavors. Ay, 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 this is ay, the magazine ay. talking about the writer. Writer's name removed, so again, inscribes. The writer inscribes. Okay, so so um, this, it's only this is only half of it. Too, propagate the, the intensification of the evolution of their notes and flavors. Yes, I don't even know what that means. Well, it means that they have different flavors. Yeah, attributes that make white wine cellar worthy include those from particular regions, which actually is grammatically a un- non-agreement, such right. as Burgundy and parts of Chile and California, as well as the type of varietal. Now we've really not I've got grammar problems. Yeah, Chardonnay, Riesling, and Chenin Blanc are all noteworthy and excellent exemplars that can produce wines that strike the precise age-worthy balance. She adds. Okay, so first of all, uh, I'm, can I just get, we're making fun of style and everything. Can I make fun of content? Oh yeah. Longest lived white wines on the planet, probably Riesling. Yeah. Not no either. mention of them in in the regions. No, Burgundy, of, Chile, uh, and California. No, type of varietal: Chardonnay, Riesling, and Chenin. Yeah, but yeah. Burgundy. Oh yeah, right. Chile, yeah. California. Right. I'm sorry, Riesling. None, yeah. Germany, right. Australia. And, and frankly, those wouldn't be the places I would be looking for. Maybe Burgundy, but for an aged white. But you know, uh, more like the cooler okay. weather places where yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay. Yes, but it's this is just and and. This, I'm just going to go out and imbibe something myself. Yes, I like the slated for long-term cellaring. You know, it's just propagate the intensification. Yes. You know, I, I why do people hate wine writers? Because <laughs> of this. Because so of this. I, I rewrote this, by the way. Um, this okay. is how this is how you might actually read it in an actual human coming from. Okay, a human good. That, that, rather than that 150 words, it says most people don't age white wines, but some wines age beautifully, developing deep flavors over time. The writer says. She says some whites from Burgundy, Chile, and California gained depth and new flavors after a few years, as do varietals such as Chardonnay, Riesling, and Chenin Blanc. Well, by God, Rick, you can actually understand what you wrote. That you have, a, those you were, have no future in the, the wine words. writing business. <laughs> a third of the words. You have no future and, and in I didn't this. use imbibe. Or, or slated. Slated. And you certainly didn't propagate the intensification. Clearly, I, I just... <laughs> you missed the boat. I missed the boat. All right, well, <laughs> we're going to miss some other boats here because we're going to take a few more questions. If you'd Great. like to ask us a question, go to rickandpaulwine.com, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Rick, at Rick and Paul Wine. And look for us at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Our media empire. Uh, it grows by the minute. All right, this is from Michael in South San Francisco. He says, it's party season. What kind of wines go best in holiday punches? Great question. It is. Actually, I know, I know what I would start with. Okay. Sparklings. Well, yes. Because I start with everything. With you start with everything. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but holiday punches tend to be sweet, and yeah. most sparkling wines tend to be dry. So yeah. I'm going to suggest Moscato d'Asti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or Asti Spumanti. Yeah, any of those, the sweet, that whole Moscato world, and, mm. and they it has those sort of... Uh, Really, kind of uh, holiday-ish flavors. You know, yep. you get your Brachetto d'Aquila, yeah, which is a sparkling red wine from yeah. Italy. Yeah. That's all sorts of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but even if you don't want to go to sparkles, um, what I what I would suggest here is avoiding wines with too much oak and avoiding wines with too much tannin. Yep. 
Yeah, so that, that means not your big reds. Not your big reds, but your yeah. medium and lighter reds, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And maybe not your big Chardonnays, but some of the lighter whites are better in punches. Right. I was thinking Sauvignon Blanc would be like a really nice starter. You know, you yeah. do a citrusy punch. Or Chenin Blanc. Yeah. And yeah, yeah lots yeah. of lots of options. Just yeah. avoid oak and avoid yeah. tannin. Yep. And yep. just about everything else is going to work for you. Yep. And uh, in yeah, I, 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 that's, that's a good fun. Yeah, quality punches are fun. I that's like fun. Yep. 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 All right, this is from Christina in Sacramento. She's, Ooh, right next door. Yep. <laughs> you can, she's pounding she's, on the window I, right now. Christina, don't worry, we'll, we'll get to you. <laughs> uh, she says, any tips for dealing with a family when we go to dinner that is half wine novices and half wine snobs? My idiot brother, a.k.a. brothers, a.k.a. the snobs, also, always argue about whether whatever wine gets ordered, and my sister and parents mostly want a buttery Chardonnay, which my idiot brothers always try to shout down. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, well, I have the perfect solution. Two bottles. But it sounds like these guys are still going to just give doesn't them matter. grief. But yeah, it doesn't it's, matter. It's a great, it's a certainly in good, fact, you know, in, in my and family. Make them pay for it. In my family, as we were growing up, we had two tables because the family is too big to sit at one table. So everybody than you? <laughs> More or less, yeah. No, it was sort of kids and grown-ups, but there was some yeah. variation in there and some flexibility in there. The two idiot brothers get their own table and they get to order their own wine. Yeah. And everybody else sits at the big table and eats what they want and drinks buttery Chardonnay and is happy as hell. Yep, yep. And um, I think, if, uh, Christina, if the idiot brothers um, start to make, um, make a problem, I think here's what you say to them. It's just two words. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's the holiday season, Rick. You don't say that. Okay. You say Merry Christmas, now shut up. <laughs> yes, there you go. Yes. yes. Yeah, or, but or, if or, a b- group of people wants to order one bottle of wine at a, ta- at a table for dinner, they order the bottle of wine. And yeah. if the two brothers want to order something else, that's what they should you know, do. You get the sense that Christina's talked to these guys before the dinners and said, look, would you for once don't do this? <laughs> and then they did it anyway. And they did it anyway. Because they can't help themselves. Yeah, yeah. Mm, yes. yep. I bet they would say imbibed. <laughs> <laughs> but would they propagate the intensification? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. All right. Another one from Steve in Tahoe City. He says, it's getting cold up here, and everybody says, I should be drinking reds, but I like white wines. Are there any that seem best for winter? Well, I'm sorry. I drink white wines during the winter all the time. It just depends on what we're having for dinner and how yeah. I feel. So. I just heat mine up a little bit. Do you? No. I was going to say, that seems like an odd thing to do for a white wine. I just... Um, but I don't think the solution is necessarily to go for a big, heavy white wine yeah. because red wines are heavier than whites. I'm still, I'm going, you know, if I'm drinking white wine, I'm still drinking sparkling wine. I'm drinking Riesling. I'm drinking Chenin Blanc. Sure, I'll drink Chardonnay. So all of those things. I will say, as somebody who likes white wine an awful lot and lives with somebody who likes white wine an awful lot, that I do tend to drink slightly different whites in the in the winter. And I do mm-hmm. tend to drink richer whites. Mm-hmm. You know, the bigger Chenin or a bigger shard or, you know, some of those other ones. Uh, and where in the summer you tend to go for the lighter, brighter. Um, but having said that, um, it's, Steve, it's really, if you just drink what you like. Yeah, you know? no kidding. If, you know, it don't, and don't worry about it. And um, and if you like, if it feels like you want something that's more winter prone, I don't know, put a, put a little... Santa hat on the put a put a stick of cinnamon in it and yeah. put a Santa hat on your head. <laughs> I was gonna put it on the bottle. It makes the bottle feel festive. But but really, 
Whatever you like. Yeah. The wine you like is always yeah. the white wine. And, and absolutely, there are a ton of white wines that I drink every winter and enjoy them. So All right. there we go. And we are, I think it's getting time to open a bottle now because it, it, that is it for another round of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Our producer is Anthony Van Hook, who manages to sit through every show and not beat his head against the wall. Thank you, Anthony. Is, Although, what's that is, thumping? Yes. <laughs> come, come, he didn't make it this time, darn it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Our associate producer is Jeremy Marin. Thanks to Capital Public Radio for the studio use and for including us on their podcast lineup, their recommended podcast lineup, Paul. And listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Ask us a question at rickandpaulwine.com or Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember, you can catch Paul and taste some extraordinary wines at the Vancouver International Wine Festival. That is February 22nd to March 1. Information is at vanwinefest.ca. Just just Google Vancouver Wine Festival. You'll find it. Yep, and tickets go on sale January 8th, coming right up, and trade passes available now. Just go to the website for details, and if you book a hotel through Stay Vancouver Hotels, you'll get a free ticket to one of the huge international wine festivals. Yes, yes, and, and, and don't forget, if you don't want to go to the wine festival, you can still join me on a cruise in Bordeaux that benefits the same charity. Yeah, yep, it's true, and pause hosting, that's April 9th to the 16th. Yes, in Bordeaux. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't get much better than that. It's yeah. um, it will it, the wines will be absolutely delicious. The ship is beautiful. The city is gorgeous. The wines are spectacular, and Rick will not be there. True. I'll be home irritating people at my own office. <laughs> um, and if you learned anything today, we hope it's good wine is good medicine. And don't take medical advice from us. Even better. Which means I can't ask Paul about my sore knee, by the way. I, I'm, I'm, I'm you Rick. can ask. <laughs> I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. And remember the best wines are the wines you drink with friends. Or with us. Especially us. Especially us.